Good morning. I don't know about you, but I'm already in the Christmas Christmas spirit. Or an amazing. Let's give him another applause because you know this is. I feel like there's something that, that something has happened to uh, to the worship team, and now they're on uh, on a different scale, All right? <laughs> yeah, and uh, so everything is really amazing, and and it's not just amazing, wow, amazing, but it's also uh, affecting our hearts. I don't know, my, my heart has been affected. I'm not sure about you this morning, but. Just listening to them singing with all their heart and the words and the music and it's just amazing. So we're in Christmas season if you haven't figured that out by now. And uh, I know that what happens so many times is that, you know, good things come and no one, no one wants to miss anything good, right? So we try to get everything done. Whether it's, uh, you know, the, the gifts, you know, the, the tree, you know, the, the neighbors, the friends, the, you know, all, I mean, everything, our family, we, we get together, there's all kinds of things going on. And what unfortunately happens is Christmas is kind of set on the side. It's something that we kind of, it's like a dog, you know, our dog that we love and, you know, we just pet it, you know, from time to time and say, oh yeah, it's Christmas, thank you Christ, but then we'll go back to the real life. Is that true? I mean, isn't that what happens? The mood this morning is a little poignant, isn't it? It's this amazing song, this amazing hymn, this melody that uh, was kind of set aside for a long time and then somebody decided, I think a monk decided to put some words to it and it's been an amazing hit. But there is a melancholy in that, isn't that? There's a melancholy. There's, a, there's kind of a tragedy in the, in, the, in the mode of music. You feel it. The minute you, just from the first note, you realize, hmm, this is going to be a downer. <laughs> why? I mean, why is it? I mean, the words are amazing, right? The words are right. You know, we want Jesus to come. We want him to come into our lives. We want him to come this time in a very different way. And I want us to, um, to think a little bit this morning. And then make a decision about how we're going to spend these holidays, this, this time. I feel that uh, we do a lot of lip service. I do a lot of lip service when it comes to Christ. You know, I, I want to prepare sermons. I want to sing with the church. I want to, you know, have time, you know, with my family and, and all the other things that we do, the work and everything else that comes. And by the time everything is said and done, you're tired and you need to go to sleep. And there goes one day. Okay. There goes this on the first day of Christmas and the second day of Christmas. And where did it go? And then all of a sudden, oh my God, now we have to pay the bills. <laughs> Okay, so, but I want this Christmas for Agape to be different. Such an amazing Sunday this morning, isn't it? We got the Christmas spirit here. 
We have the elements of communing with Christ. We have been uh, asked by our heavenly choir uh, to come, to come and adore him, to come and, and bless his name, to come together, to come in peace, to come in hope, to come with joy. And we are also going to be asked today to come and dine with him, to come and eat with him. Eat the bread and drink the cup. So it's a special Sunday. Everything is kind of converging at the same time. The communion, that's the first Sunday of the month. But also the beginning of Christmas. The thing that I want to share with you this morning has to do with this song that basically has taken over this congregation. This is kind of what our series is going to be. We have done a lot of series at Christmas. Uh, looking at the characters of Christmas several times, many times. And uh, we decided that this time, what we'd like to do is actually look at some of the, the most powerful songs of Christmas. And today is that, that Sunday. O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel, who mourns in lonely exile. Where? Here. Do you feel that the church is in exile? I don't know about you, but I feel that the church is becoming exiled. Either because the church is doing it to herself, or because the community and the, the people out there, the people sometimes that even look like Christians, but they're not really Christians, have exiled the church. I mean, look at the number of seats available. <laughs> There's nobody knocking down the door to come in. Why? Have we become irrelevant? Have we not done our job? Have we not loved enough? Have we not looked out for our neighbors? It's really... Uh, the poignancy of the song and the cry for help, the cry, O come, O come, Emmanuel, is very powerful and is very right to the point at this time in our history as a nation, as a church, as Christians, as the people of God. Jesus Christ came as a little boy in a manger. Nobody really was excited other than the angels and the shepherds that got a fear <laughs> and a threat, they thought. They'd never seen an angel before, but you know, it must have been horrible for somebody who was you know, so lowly and so uneducated to, 
to all of a sudden see an angel. That's how God comes in. He comes in unannounced. He comes in at the most inopportune moment. He comes in at the most, perhaps, difficult time for us to pay attention. We kind of miss him and then, maybe in a dream, maybe after we have kind of thought about it for a while, we realize that, wait a minute, God was here. I missed it. And this is my hope for us this Christmas. That we're not going to miss celebrating Christ this Christmas. So, as the song goes, O come, O come, Emmanuel. The question for me, the first question for us this morning is, are you really asking for Emmanuel in your life? O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom me, ransom you from the exile, the spiritual exile that we're in. That the things that are most important are the things that we can touch. The, thing that, the things that are the ones that we spend so much time for and with are the things that are of this world. Is it kind of the lonely voice of, of Isaiah? Who has ever heard of our, of, our, of our message? Who has believed in that message? Is this where we are as Christians? The cry of this song hits the heart. It hits the heart because perhaps we feel guilty. Because we really are singing the words, but we're really not sure whether we believe that. Do you really want Jesus Christ to come this Christmas? To come to you? To come to your family? To come to your situation? To come to your city? Do you really want him to come? When you sing with the choir this morning, when you sing with the worship team this morning, were you really meant, did you really mean that? Or is it just, well, I have to sing because that's what the lyrics are. (laughs) I have to read the lines. But you realize that you put yourself in a situation right now. What I want us to do this Christmas is to think of this question. Now that you know, now that you know how Christ came, now that you know that he came and he surprised a lot of people, notice when he was a baby, the people that noticed and understood that this was a very special baby, this was the Messiah, the promised Lord were people that were totally off the beaten path of humanity. There were people, there was this old lady that was constantly praying to see the salvation of God. The old priest who was constantly praying and God the Holy Spirit told him that you will not die until you see The miracle baby of God. His name was Simon. Simeon was the one that couldn't believe it. That he actually saw and touched the baby. 
He held him up. The salvation of Israel. He didn't have to say, O come, O come. He saw him. He touched him. And it had a huge impact in his life. In fact, he said that, as far as I'm concerned, Lord, now that I've seen your salvation, I don't need to stay here on this earth anymore. What, what a radical, what a radical response to Christ's coming. What do I think about that? We just think mostly about the gifts and the holidays and uh, the food and, you know, the you know, family coming together and having rejoice and you're having all kinds of things going on. And, of course, there's all kinds of things going on outside the church and outside, you know, the, on the entertainment world. And, you know, there's you know, all things that take away our focus, take away our attention. And we miss the fact that Jesus is here. Now that you know that Christ has come as a baby, would you do a do-over? Kind of unlearn that Jesus has come. Suppose that Jesus would come again. Not, not talking about the second coming. Talking about Jesus Christ coming as a baby in a manger again. What would you do different? How would you respond to that amazing reality? That God took human flesh and through this very little known part of Palestine, up in Nazareth of all places. Has anything ever come good? Anything good could have come out of Nazareth. I mean, it was all written in the Old Testament. There were so many prophecies. There were so many, uh, so many arrows pointing in that right direction. And they missed it. So even the scholarly, even the people that had the most experience, the people of the temple, the people of the, the scribes that knew the, the word, you know, alphabet by alphabet, they, they knew everything and then they missed it. My concern this morning is that we may miss Christmas as well. It's a time that we spend time with God and ourselves. To be able to have that time that is so much more important than any other time. Because what has happened is this. Paul writes in Romans that we have this amazing proof that God is with us. And the reason for that is, he says, you know, it's, he says it's, it's very rare that somebody would die for a righteous man. But for a good man, somebody may die. Because that happens. But what about What about a man that steals and beats up on people 
It gets into houses and ransacks people. I mean, what, what about a person that is totally, you know, given over to uh, drinking and drugs and, you know, has no life and doesn't really have any kind of, any kind of hope that anything will change ever in his life or her life? What about that kind of person that most people will shy from, shy away from? Would that, would that person find anybody on this earth that would write, who would say, I will die for you? And Paul writes, but God demonstrates his own love for us. That even though we were sinners, he sent Jesus to die for the ungodly. He didn't send Jesus Christ to die for the good people. And we have to put that in quotations, right? <laughs> he sent him to die for all the people that were under the gun, that were under the guillotine. They were about to die and go to hell. And God sent his one and only son, the perfect person, without sin, just like in the Old Testament, a lamb without blemish. And he sacrificed him on the cross in a very tragic way. His own people did not recognize him. The Bible says that even though he came to that which was his own, his own did not receive him. But to those who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent or of human decision or husband's will, but born of God. And the question this morning is, I want us to make sure that we don't just have a surface kind of belief. Or a surface type of proof in us, in our life. You know, when you look at your life this morning, do you feel that you belong to God? That you actually have the Holy Spirit inside you that has given you this proof. This proof that you belong to Christ. And then when you look at your life, when you look at how you spend your life, the time that you spend... With God, this time that you spend with the Bible, the time that you spend doing the things that God wants you to do, the time that you spend serving others, the time that you spend asking for forgiveness, the time that you spend for working not just to make money, but also to make this world a better place. Does that coincide? Does that really make sense? When you say, I believe in Christ, I have the Holy Spirit in me, He is a witness to me that I, believe, I, am, I belong to Christ, and I'm a believer, and I am born again. But then, what actually does your life say? So what I'm suggesting this morning is, as we cry out for Emmanuel to come, As we cry out for those clouds of darkness to be pushed away. As we cry out for us to be able to 
have not just a hope for heaven, but to actually touch heaven. That heaven is so close. And that we are focused on wanting to be there and to get there by doing everything that Jesus Christ asked us to do. That nothing else will distract us. Nothing else will come in the way. I know that if, we, if I continue speaking in generalities that you may not get anything out of this. Other than, oh my God, I need to do something. <laughs> but here's what I'd like you to do. I want you to prove to yourself that you believe in Christ, salvation, and work for you and me. When you come to the table this morning, you believe that, as Jesus said, when you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. What does that mean? What you're proclaiming is that I was going to die and go to hell. I was destined for hell. But Jesus came willingly, sent by God the Father, so that he died for me. He died for me. And because of that, I have a hope that is secure. And that hope is not just in my heart. It's also in heaven. It's not a security that, oh my God, I don't have to do everything. I just have to do, God, forgive me. Just make sure that I get to heaven. And thank you very much. <laughs> That's the, that's the Christianity that if Jesus was here this morning, how would he respond to that kind of Christianity? Rejoice, rejoice. It, it's, it's kind of a, a very... Difficult kind of song. The music, the melody, even the words make you melancholy. The kind of it's a it's a downer, you know. It's a almost like a dirge, okay. And yet, he says, "Rejoice." <laughs> You see, you see what's going on here? There's, there is a mastery here. There's a magic here that you don't see until you start thinking about this. We are languishing down here, Lord, come and get us. And then rejoice, rejoice. Why would we rejoice? Shall come to thee, O Israel. Who is going to come to you? Christ will come to you. Christ will come for us. Christ, the Bible says, is for us. And if Christ is for us, who can be against us? You see where I'm going to? You see what, whatever, whatever brings you down in life, in your situation this morning, 
You're lonely, you, you have problems, you have, you have bills you can't pay, you are sick, you have fear of death, you know, the, your, your family is shunning you. I mean, whatever is going on right now that you have not been able to, to do anything about, you prayed and prayed and prayed, that other people pray, and people from, that, from another planet prayed as well, and nothing happened, it's still the same. You're still in the same situation, and you're up to here, and you say, rejoice, I don't want to rejoice. I'm going to be mad and I'm going to be sad, but I don't want to rejoice. And yet, this poignant song is telling us, rejoice, rejoice, O Israel. We are the people of God. You belong to God. You belong to God in a big way, in a great way. Why? Because He has given the first and the best. That heaven could master. The one and only Jesus Christ. The second person of the Trinity. Who told us that if the Son sets you free. You will be free indeed. I want us to take a few moments. And respond to the message this morning. I want you to make a decision about what things you're going to cut out. Because I know that all of us have, are living like three or four lives at the same time. <laughs> so you have to get rid of some of those lives. Because there's not going to be enough time, energy, or focus. I mean, that's the, the, one of the problems that we have is that we, we, don't, we hardly pray because prayer needs a focus. We hardly study the Bible and we don't understand it because it requires a focus. You know, it's something that has to happen. You have to sit down. You have to take a few deep breaths and get rid of all the stuff in your brain that is constantly coming in. You ever notice when you, when you start in quiet and start read, what happens? Oh, I forgot to do this. Oh, I forgot to do that. Oh, all the anxieties start to come in. You know, who knows, you know, what's going on, right? It's, it's the emissaries of our enemy coming in to distract. What are you doing? You know, you're losing time. You know, you got you to gotta do this and this and this. And, and the answer will be, you know what, I'm going to cut that out. I want to be able to enjoy Christmas this season in the way that Jesus would like me to enjoy Christmas this season. Will you take time to spend time with God, you and the Lord, nobody else? Will you change the way Christmas goes, fast and furious, and spend the time that you need to spend with the Lord and with the Word of God? It's not something that we do like magic. You know, you take the Bible, you rub it, you know, a few ways, you know, and then there, bingo, you got, you got your answer. That's what I'm going to do. <laughs> I'll read one of the prayers and say, oh, Lord, that's my prayer. And you miss out the learning and the growth of your mind and your spirit 
in having that relationship with God, His Word, and His church. Let's take a couple of minutes to think about what you're going to do, the decisions you're going to make for this Christmas season. And then we're going to come forward to have communion with our Lord and Master, Jesus Christ.